Um, honestly, what did you think compared to, like, did you like these episodes better than the first two? Um, not gonna lie, like, the first, for me, the first two were probably, like, probably be, like, I don't know, I was way more excited for the first two than I was for the uh, third and fourth. Um, but as far as, like, the content that was in there, definitely, it was just, like, Dennis Rodman, he's craziest character, maybe, in NBA history. Um, I love that. And these are probably going to end up being two of my most favorite episodes in the entire entire series. Because I love the Bad Boy Pistons and I love Dennis Rodman. That's perfect. What's kind of funny is um, at the end of our podcast last week, you were like, by the end of this, Bill Lambeer is going to be a household name. His name did not come up. They didn't even like, mention at it. All. Like, what the heck? At <laughs> all. It was all Isaiah Thomas. Um, were you kind of shocked by that? Yeah. I was like, I... I I mean, it kind of makes sense, though. Michael Jordan clearly has some, some personal beef with Isaiah Thomas, and this documentary is by, by Michael Jordan. Um, but, yeah, I, I was very shocked. Like, they didn't, they didn't mention any of those guys. I think I heard Rick Mahorn's name one time. Um, they were showing the highlights, though. They were showing the highlights of Michael Jordan getting beat up. And they were making it very clear that Michael Jordan was getting beat up. And there's, I, I think I have a few quotes here. Um, they were saying that like if Michael Jordan's driving in the lane, he's gonna get he's gonna get beat up. He's, and it was facts. Is I one second let me go on here. My, yeah, Michael Jordan said that the Pistons physically beat the shit out of us. That that's an exact quote, and it's it's true, and I love that. Um, I, I just love the intensity and everything. Obviously, didn't like how they're hurting people, but you know whatever, you gotta gotta win somehow. Yeah, and basketball was different then too, so uh, yeah. you can't really. Um, argue that it's not like a good way to win games and they won two championships right so that's right um, they, they definitely proved it's a method that worked and they were the one team uh, that Michael Jordan had to get over the hump with yeah um, for them to kind of like before Jordan started winning so they had his number for a while and they also had that Jordan rule too that's which right, was specifically yeah. built for MJ <laughs> which they mentioned and I think they mentioned that in episode four yeah where they just, they just broke down the rules and everything yeah yeah, where they would just clobber him at all costs. And the the key was to, like, hit him before he jumped. Exactly. Because yeah. once he was in the air, Air Jordan, right, he's going to score. So that was kind of their, like, method. And, they <laughs> and, said, can't, and it worked. It was effective. Exactly. The, and you said they won three chips. They should have won – or they won two chips. They were robbed of the, they were robbed of the third um, in 1988 against the, the Lakers. Um, but that is a whole other story. Um but yeah, and, and also the another thing I noticed they were saying that the refs just didn't give a shit if Michael Jordan got hurt. There was no like special treatment for the best player in the NBA. The refs just refed him like they refed all the other players, and they just didn't give a shit. Um, and I and I like that too. You know, there's no like nowadays, of course, depending on who's driving to the lane, the refs are gonna call it differently. No, now it's or back then it was just like, all right, I don't give a fuck who the fuck you are. I like, I don't care if you're hurt or not. And then, I don't know. I kind of like that attitude. Yeah, it's good and bad because you don't protect the best players. And so the best players probably got injured more often uh, in that era, which can be an issue. But at the same time, the game is so much faster now that players are getting injured anyway because they're putting so much miles yeah. on their legs. So who's to say which is worse, like the fast pace of the game or the clobbering slow pace that it used to be? It's hard to say which is probably worse for these guys' body. I, I would say the former, but... Uh, you never know, honestly. You say you mean like uh, how it is now or how it is back then? 
I would I would say back then just because I don't know I, the way when you um, saw what the bad boy Pistons were doing to Michael Jordan, yeah, it was, like he was on the ground every time he drove. So yeah, <laughs> he was probably on the ground like 10, 20 times a game. I bet, which is insane to think about how hard they're hitting him. Which is absolutely ridiculous. But the, the, honestly, like I think that nowadays there are, are a lot more injuries. Um, you look at this year alone, how we're missing so many star players and how we have been um, in years past. I think nowadays there are a lot more injuries, but the style of play of the 80s was much more physically physically challenging for those players. Because, I mean, that back then it was, just, it was crazy. Um, and you mentioned that Michael Jordan, he was on the ground all, like, in all those highlights, Michael Jordan was ending up on the ground, but he never got hurt. That's the thing. Like, he was just so tough. And that was before he started putting on weight. But yeah, I'd agree with you that the style of play of the 80s was much more challenging um, for players' bodies than it is today. Yeah, no question. Episode 3 is kind of the Dennis Rodman look we get, yeah. but I don't think we really got a good in-depth look at the actual stuff he did. They had that one, the one scene at the end there where uh, it transitions into episode 4 and he goes to Vegas, Vegas yeah. and stuff. <laughs> But you don't actually hear some of the fucked up stuff that he actually did because this is just one of the things. Um, in like the finals, I'm pretty sure in this finals he actually, or in the '97 finals, the year before, he yeah. left after game one of the finals to Vegas, <laughs> and he did some fucked up shit. So I don't know. I think maybe this is like just a taste, but it felt like the Dennis Rodman didn't get like a ton of screen time for being like the third best guy. I don't know yeah. if you agree with that or not. Yeah, I mean they they covered him quite a bit, um, but yeah, there, there was it was I liked how they covered the rebounding, that that scene where he's describing probably my, probably my most favorite scene in the entire uh, series so far that and Michael Jordan's montage when he scores sixty three against the Celtics, but that scene where he's describing how how he gets rebounds and everything and how he's just watching everyone and how their shot spinning and how Larry Bird's shot would spin this way and how so and so's shot would spin that way. And he practiced rebounding. Like, he'd go to the gym not to shoot, not to put up shots, but he'd go to the gym to have other people shoot, and he grabbed the rebound. And I love that. I love that whole scene where he's explaining that. And, I mean, that guy was just the definition of heart on your sleeve. I, I love that. That was such a unique thing to see. And the way he was describing it, it was so confusing that only in his head it would make sense. It was not good for a documentary because <laughs> the way he was just talking, I bet you he probably talked like that for like 10 minutes Probably <laughs> about like the way he rebounds, bounce off and stuff. It's interesting because clearly his method worked because he's one of the great rebounders uh, in NBA history. And he's only six, seven. He's yeah. Pretty, yeah. He's like six, seven, six, six, apparently. So he's not that big and he's still out rebounding all these guys. And, um, they show a few plays like in they have a few montages of him just like defensive highlights yeah. of him like diving into the diving I don't know into, stands, like, the yeah. crowd yeah diving into the stands throwing the ball he's like tipping it over like Barkley yeah. like tips it, like five times and eventually gets it like I don't know he just I think this is kind of what they wanted to highlight in this episode was that Dennis Rodman was the glue guy for that team yeah. especially when Scottie Pippen was out they needed Dennis Rodman as that number two guy to like they said they started off eight and seven on the season and they went on a tear and they were like 28 and 11 yeah so they went on a huge run there that's like a 20 and five run and that's because of i think dennis rodman um and it's interesting that he was on the those bad boy pistons teams too yeah right like it's, it's kind of interesting that he played on that team and he was kind of like part of that culture yeah and he brings that culture in those last three championships and it's funny how He's a five-time champion yeah. by the time he retires. So 
clearly his the way he plays and his impact is um is no joking matter like he's a baller yeah straight up I, that's that's the that's the thing with with uh Dennis Robin it's the way the players he played with as well helped him helped him in the way that he played with the Bulls if that makes any sense cuz throughout his entire career he was learning from some of these great big men obviously in San Antonio it was it was David Robinson one of the greatest big men of all time um and in Detroit it was a bit different style it was obviously guys like Lambeer and John Sally and uh, Mahorn and those guys who would who sort of taught him the the dirty sort of side of basketball and then David Robinson kind of taught him how to polish his game up a little bit more cuz cuz David Robinson or sorry David Robinson those two names are fucking similar god damn it um <laughs> David Robinson was teaching Dennis would teach Dennis Rodman how uh, f- David Robinson would teach Dennis Rodman there we go um the more it. offensive side of basketball which really helped him out in the long run too so he was he played with great big men throughout his entire career and you see those last few years in Chicago that really showed up because he was a complete basketball player in the way that Chicago needed him to be. He didn't, they didn't need him to score points, but they needed him on defense, needed him on the glass. And because of the players he had played with in the past, he was able to do that. Yeah, definitely the bad boy Pistons helped shape his career. And I think that time in between demonstrates, at least with uh, David Robinson and the Spurs, like he, he wasn't very successful on those teams. So it kind of goes to show that like, um, like he didn't have the best seasons personally, so I think it goes to show that if he's in the right situation, he has the right guys yeah. around him who can like motivate him. Like you have Isaiah Thomas, an all-time great, Bill Embiid, um, an all-time great, and then you also have like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Yeah, if it's someone that he respects and looks up to, and I think a lot of credit should go to Phil Jackson too, um, just because of the way that he like uh, respects players and gives them their space right. is clearly unique. Which episode four was kind of like his episode. Where they showed him playing on the Knicks and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> um, if you put these pieces together, I think that Dennis Rodman thrives with superstars For around sure. him. He's kind of like um, I don't want to c- compare him to like Draymond Green, but I feel like if they're like the starting, the like best player on their team, those teams would be awful. <laughs> For sure. You know what I mean? He's, he's like a, a State. <laughs> he's a fifth piece exactly. Yeah, like he's averaging what a triple single. Yes. <laughs> <This is> ridiculous. <laughs> so, so like I think the same thing goes with Dennis Rodman. He needs those superstars around him um for him to at least be successful yeah for sure um i'm just i'm actually just checking right now dennis robin's stats when he was on those first teams because i know the while his time on those first teams those that's when we got all those crazy stat lines where he'd score like no points and then but but grab like 28 rebounds those like ridiculous stat lines and I mean, he, he, yeah, offensively wasn't doing much on those. He never scored average over 10 points a game um, in his entire career, except for his second year. But, yeah, on those Spurs teams, he was putting up 18, 17, 16 rebounds a game. And that just carried over to what he was doing in Chicago. Um, so, yeah, obviously, like, team-wise, not a lot of success there. And maybe his points and stuff like that, pretty much everything outside of rebounding was down when he was on San Antonio. But I, it is still, obviously, vital for his career. Um, and only a two-time All-Star as well, which, I mean, I, I maybe a little bit of disrespect there, not going to lie, for Dennis Robin. I do understand that he was going up against some of the greatest big men of all time competing for the All-Star spot there. Um, but I personally think that he probably should have gotten more than two, two-time All-Star. I don't know. I'm 
trying to think about the other players there, but yeah. I think if he averaged like ten to fifteen points, yeah. he'd probably get there. But you said he was averaging under ten. Yeah. Like that's kinda that's tough to put him. Especially yeah, like you're saying, like you have Dennis like all these uh all these other good big men and stuff. One of the crazy stylines that uh Dennis Rodman had was, was when he was on the Spurs, it was a game against the Charlotte Hornets. He had zero points and twenty eight rebounds yeah, <laughs> in one game, player. including ten offensive boards and three assists. Yeah, there was a game which is was, yeah, there was a game on Spurs too where he didn't like not only did he not have zero points, like he just didn't shoot the ball. He was didn't attempt a single field goal and grabbed twenty one rebounds. The guy just knew his role and he he wasn't selfish or anything like that. Like I said, like yeah, and he did his role good too. Yeah. Like he he led the league in rebounds seven times in the fourteen yeah. years that he was in the league. Yeah, and the years where he didn't lead the the league in rebounding were the years in Detroit where he had so many other big men around him, and his last two years after Michael Jordan retired, where he's still putting up over ten rebounds a game. Yeah, he's definitely crazy. I guess let's go back to episode three for a bit and talk about the '89 Bulls, which is when Doug Collins is their coach. That's right. And I guess I guess the big thing to talk about they only really talk about. Um, kind of getting over the hump for that team, which was that Cleveland series. Yeah. And you obviously have the shot from Jordan, but which we've all seen, but you never see uh, what happens before. Like Jordan hits a jumper. Um, and then Craig Yelo hit, has like a crazy yeah. layup. And then Jordan hits that crazy shot. So um, I think it's just important to note, like I think Doug, with Doug Collins as the, the like coach there, they were a good team. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals one time and lost to the Pistons. I think they got smoked by the Pistons. Actually, they, like if they, I think they got swept. Right? Uh, they got to the yeah, they got swept to once. I think by the Pistons. I can check real quick. Um, I think it was they got swept in eighty, like eighty eight, and then eighty nine they got six games or something like that, and then. 90 they uh went made it seven and then they and then the bulls swept yep, them in 91 yeah. in 91 on their way to their first championship so either way like these eight like the bulls and that around that time um they were a good team because michael jordan was good like as with doug collins as the coach michael jordan had like um he had his mvp year he had defensive player of the year he won the slam dunk and champion had- and he was like the all-star Game MVP, and so, he had those crazy stats too. Um, like he was putting up like thirty-seven points a game, because he had like, yeah. he was all by himself there, right? Yeah, I think it was because Doug Collins' offense was centered yeah. around him. So then they bring Phil Jackson, in and that it's crazy how that just changes everything. Right. Like the entire dynamic with the triangle offense, it's insane. Yeah. And yeah, you, the triangle offense was the thing that shifted everything for the Bulls. Um, I they probably still could have gotten maybe one or two chips. Without Phil Jackson, just the way that the team was trending, um, obviously Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and those guys could have probably won in '91 or '92, but Phil Jackson was really the guy to take it over the top. And again, the the Bulls. I think it was going back to that uh, Cavs series. It was interesting on the last shot there. I think it was Horace Grant. It was one of the few one guy who was going to be on Michael Jordan's team in the future. I think it was Horace Grant who wanted to guard Michael Jordan, but then they, they put him on the white car, the white, they put the white guy on him and Michael Jordan dri- drilled the shot over them, dri- drilled the shot over him. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of ironic. Um, but yeah, the, the, the triangle offense brought in by Phil Jackson was game changing and w- they wouldn't have won six championships without it. Yeah, for sure. 
And uh, I think that kind of encapsulates the third episode because then it goes into the Dennis Rodman. Uh, and then it kind of goes more into like Phil Jackson. Uh, for me, I found that these episodes were good. I kind of liked the, the first two better. I like the Dennis Rodman stuff, though. Dennis Rodman is, I think you were t- saying this before, he's probably one of the most interesting players yeah. in NBA history. Like, he's friends with Kim Jong-un and uh, <laughs> shit like that. Beast. Like, he must, he must be mourning. Yeah, he must be mourning right now, I was going to say. I'm seeing a lot mourning. of memes about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, yeah, it's just crazy. Like, he's just such a unique yeah. character. I don't even know yeah. who in the current NBA would be even there's close no to that. Like, there is no one. I guess the closest people would be, like, the J.R. Smith, the Sway yeah. EPs, guys who aren't even in the league anymore. But Lance Stevenson, like, the guys with some personality. But even no. then, they don't compare off the court to the shit that Dennis Rodman did, right? It's completely different You wouldn't get away with half the, half the shit he did, more than half the shit he did in today's NBA. Like, no team is going to let you just up and leave to go to Las Vegas for 48 hours and then naughty and like after you don't come back like if it hadn't been for michael jordan going into his hotel room and, and getting him like who knows how long he would have been gone for um but yeah that was just dennis rodman he did whatever the fuck he wanted and that's the point that they emphasize a lot dennis rodman wasn't like the other players if he wanted to do something he was going to do it um in that in every aspect of his life too like just marrying himself the hair everything just dennis rodman was just different yeah, no question. Um, and then in the 1991 Eastern Conference Final, which they show in the fourth episode, we see the Bulls sweep the Bad yeah. Boy Pistons. And I think one interesting thing, one takeaway I have is at the end there, Pippen gets pushed by yeah. Dennis Rodman. And it's like a, he just like falls on the ground. And it's so it was so cool to hear Michael Jordan say, like, as soon as he saw that Pippen wasn't going to react that, to it. Yeah. Then they knew that they had like snatched their hearts yeah. and that they were gonna just like that they just completely destroyed them. And it's just so cool to think about. Like this is such an interesting time for the NBA, and it's cool for us to get to see it um, with like the landscape because you know people like our age and younger and shit they don't really see like the actual like landscape of what happens. You kind of just know the what happens you don't actually get to go through right, the, the season and everything yeah um, which is yeah they give you all the context and stuff and that's kind of what this whole thing is bringing us to i think it's going to be interesting because at the end of the episode like there's a statement about that kraus says uh, i don't remember exactly what it was but it kind of leads into like post all-star break trouble right, um with like michael jordan saying he's going to leave too if uh phil jackson's fired yeah kraus like just doubled down on the fact that phil jackson's not coming back it's pretty much what he and it was, yeah, it was right at the All-Star break. And he said, Phil Jackson's not coming back. And he didn't care if that meant that Michael Jordan was leaving. He just said, Phil Jackson's not coming back. That's all he said. And so kind of a dick thing to say, not going to lie. But, and going back to the, the, the Eastern Conference Finals, again, the Pistons, what do you think about them, the way they left that series, just walking away? Well, like, <laughs> you a fan of that or what? <laughs> um... Definitely not. I think, I think they should. It's just basketball, right? I don't see why they're so butthurt. I think the it wouldn't have been a big deal if the Bulls had done it first in those three previous years they lost. But each time that the Bulls lost, they shook hands yeah. on the court, and so I think the Pistons. I'm on Michael Jordan's side. Like I'm on the Bulls side right. for this one. The Pistons just leaving like that is kind of like 
Like, why are they such sore losers? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and that's what it's, that's kind of what it seems like. Like, I think Horace Grant said the best. He's like, they're just a bunch yeah, of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and and like Michael Jordan still to this day doesn't like Isaiah Thomas, right? Isn't that the whole like redeem team or like the dream that, team yeah, thing? That was, I mean, that I think like, it was Magic Johnson too. We didn't want him there. Yeah, wasn't it? Uh, like they didn't want yeah. Isaiah Thomas on that <laughs> on that team. I think that was primarily Michael Jordan, right? Who I, didn't want him. I think it was Magic because remember they did the uh, they had that Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson had that sit down interview a few years ago and they sit face to face. Yeah, and yeah. like they were started crying and shit. So I think it was Magic, but Michael Jordan definitely had a big influence on that. And Michael Jordan still hates the guy. But that's the thing with Isaiah Thomas is that like, <laughs> he's so like his smile is so it just it, it he has such a nice smile that it's hard to imagine that behind it is just like. A, He's a fucking demon. Like he just doesn't care. Um, people say he's like the baddest of the bad boy Pistons, which is crazy because he was the smallest one. <laughs> but he he definitely was. He was the leader of that team, and yeah, yeah, for sure. It's definitely um, it is deceiving because he seems like a nice guy. I'm sure he is a nice guy, um, but on the court. <laughs> He'll do whatever it takes to win. <laughs> and they built this team that, like, I think probably one of the more hated teams definitely. in NBA history. I definitely didn't like them when watching this documentary. Like, I hated that team. Like, I hated all those guys. Except for, like, they didn't show a lot about Isaiah Thomas, you know? It seemed like most of the time he would go in the paint and he'd get, like, he'd get, like hit by, like, Michael Jordan or whoever would get hit by, like, Dennis Rodman or, like, yeah. Bill Lambeer. It didn't seem like it was. They showed many Isaiah Thomas, like, hacking people, but... Uh, maybe it's like more like a vocal thing as opposed yeah. to like him physically hitting you. It's more like the culture that he established right. as the he's, leader. He just wasn't team, big right? enough to hit people, um, and he knew that. But he had guys who were the biggest in the league um, hitting people for him, so he didn't really care. But for me, as the, from from someone who watched that thirty for thirty on the Pistons, I've seen that maybe two or three times. For me, like the Pistons, that those Bad Boy Pistons are one of my favorite teams of all time. I like, I don't know, I just love that team. I love the whole energy and everything, and like guys like Bill Lambeer and and Morn and Isaiah Thomas, they they were the guys who the league hated and the mainstream media hated. Magic Johnson and Bird and Jordan, they all hated them, and that's kind of why I love them. I don't know, that's kind of like messed up part of me. But if I see someone who's getting hated on, but they're still really good, like I'm just gonna, I just naturally I'm attracted to them. And the way they left in 1990, 1991, <laughs> they walk off the court. I'm not gonna lie, I smiled when I saw that. It just, it just, it just, it just made me smile. I was like, you know what, these guys are, they, they never. They've never done things normally. They said, fuck the rules. They don't care about the rules. They're just going to do shit the way they want to do shit. And the Lakers did that to the to the Pistons, too. and Or the Celtics did that to the Pistons in the 80s. So the Pistons are kind of returning the favor. Um, but, yeah, without the Pistons, Michael Jordan's not the player. Not the man he is today. Um, but, yeah, an unpopular opinion. I personally have kind of a crush on the, on the Detroit Pistons. I don't know. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> you make a good point about the Celtics, though, because, yeah, as soon as the Pistons took over, they they showed that clip in the documentary, and, yeah, they didn't seem to shake their hands either. Yeah. They seemed to just leave as well, so maybe it was just the way it was. Um, but it's funny to see how contrary it is because then they go on into the finals to play the Lakers, right, the yeah. Magic-led Lakers. And, yeah. honestly, Magic Johnson has to be, like, one of the most fun Crazy. players to watch because I've, I've rewatched this finals – in the past and like every game, like all this passes and stuff yeah, are yeah. just insane. 
They're so fun. He's just so fun to watch. Nothing makes me more annoyed than when people say that Matthew Johnson was washed up in 1991. He was nothing. He was anything but washed up. Him and James Worthy and Byron Scott. I mean, like that was the Showtime Lakers right there. That was the Showtime Lakers 2.0. The first, the show, the original Showtime Lakers featured Kareem, and then they brought in James Worthy instead of Kareem. Um, but I mean, that, that was a good yeah. Lakers team, and Matthew Johnson was still a baller. Yeah, that team was good. Yeah, he was. Um, he was only like. Yeah. Early thirties. He was not old. He's just his career was shortened, obviously yeah. by HIV and stuff. So they, they, people say he's old because I think that was the last That's season right, yeah. he played in. But, um, but like, nah, he wasn't. It doesn't matter if it was his last season. He was still like in his prime. That was the like the best yes. Magic essentially. Like near basically in thing, his yeah. prime, kind of going towards the end. But like, still amazing, obviously. And I think. Um, I think why he didn't play that good was because Scottie Pippen was That's all right. over him in, full in that court series. Guarding, and, yeah. and, yeah, and it's full court. And obviously not having Kareem, it's harder to win a championship because Kareem is yeah. an all-time great. Um, I think if they had Kareem, like, say, if, I don't know, if they met, like, years earlier, hypothetically, in a world where their primes lined up, that'd that would be, be, yeah, be great, interesting yeah. to see, I think. I think my biggest takeaway from the from the first four episodes of the of this documentary um besides the obvious that you know pippen was great and robin was great um and the bad boy pistons are bad but but the greatest takeaway for me is just how freaking ridiculous the nba was in the 1980s i've always been a big fan of the 80s and the i've never i've hated when people say michael jordan never had competition um because in the 80s he had nothing but competition the like the, the landscape of the nba in the 80s is ridiculous. Probably my favorite decade of all time, from the Celtics to the Lakers to the Pistons to the 76ers to the Bulls. Uh, it, it, the 80s had everything. The 80s had everything that the NBA could, could dream of. Like, there was legit, like, three really, like, three hella good teams going at each other, Celtics, Pistons, and, and Lakers in the, in the late part of the 80s. Michael Jordan went up against them all. He, he lost to two of them in the playoffs and he beat them all in the playoffs eventually in his career. Um, but I mean, the eighties were just ridiculous. And I love that. The eighties is what revived exactly, the, yeah. the NBA and the seventies. It wasn't very good. And then the eighties, you had magic, Larry bird. And then the late eighties, you had obviously Michael Jordan and um, a bunch of other, a bunch of other players, of course. But yeah, I think my biggest takeaway is probably that like shit hasn't even hit the fan yet. And like this is all That's just right, kind of right. a precursor to I feel like the five, six, seven, eight is gonna be the meat of this. And I'm just excited to see what other shit happens. And we haven't heard a lot about some other role players. Like there's like we haven't heard anything about yeah. Tony Kukoc at all. And he was like the fourth best, if not third best yeah. player on that team. Like he was probably as good as Dennis Rodman or as pivotal. So I don't know. You see a lot more Steve Kerr than you do Tony Kukoc. I don't know why that is, but it'd be interesting to see if he even like if he starts coming up or if he's going to be they, featured. They in spend this more time on that John Paxton montage where he's hitting all those threes, and they have then they have mentioned Tony Kukoc's name the entire series. Um, he's not getting the respect he deserves yet, um, but I imagine he will though when, when the playoffs begin. Yeah, I think it's gonna like as they move towards ninety eight, as they move towards that playoffs, his name's gonna come up. I think with John Paxson, it was more just like yeah. the context because he was obviously such a pivotal part of that those that three P at the beginning. Um, he was just such a walking was, yeah. bucket, <laughs> such a good spacer of the floor. He's, it seems like everything you see is him hitting a shot, and 
Uh, maybe that's just because that's the way the documentary was made. But I think he's definitely an underrated piece of the puzzle, at least for yeah, the that's first the thing with the Jordan and Pippen and uh, Phil Jackson too. They won two three peats with two pretty much entirely different squads. Like there, there, no one else won six championships except for those three. Um, and yeah, Paxton was the guy. He was he was the shot maker for the the first three peat, and then it was Steve Kerr and Kukoc in the in the second three peat. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, I, there's so many other role players like you mentioned um, that are that haven't gotten their name put out there as much. But I imagine will be will have their name put out there later on in the series. Do you have any other big takeaways from episodes three um, and four? Honestly, I think we covered it right there. Like just doubling down that I love the Detroit Pistons, and I'm not afraid to say that. Um, Dennis Rodman is one of my favorite players of all time, for sure. And I don't, and I'm, I don't really know what to expect in episode five and six. I really don't. Um, but I'm excited as shit. Yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen next. I would say my one last takeaway is uh, Phil Jackson is kind of the underrated piece of the puzzle that he's obviously getting his recognition now, but I feel like no one ever talks about um, just the way that he interacts with the players is yeah. clearly unique. Um, it's kind of the opposite of the way like Jim Boylan does it <laughs> for Chicago right now, you know, because you probably know a lot about Jim Boylan. He's obviously not a good coach <laughs> from what I've seen. And like, I don't know, he just, there's just a totally different, he kind of has like that coach Carter vibe where he makes the players work too hard. And then Phil Jackson is like the one guy who like relates to you and Definitely, he tries to yeah. be your friend. Um, and it's just it's I mean, just so Phil cool Jackson, to see. It seems like all the players who played for him all like playing for him. Michael Jordan loved him. And Michael Jordan was a bit skeptical at first um, because he didn't have the ball as much in his hands. But once, especially once that John Paxson thing, that's why they put that in there when he's hitting all the shots. And it's because Michael Jordan's craving, you know, drawing all the defenders in. But once Michael Jordan saw that, he could trust his teammates. I mean, he loved Phil Jackson and Dennis Rodman loved him and, and Pippen loved him and all these guys. Um, but yeah, Phil Jackson was great, and I, lo- I love the scene where where they're all standing around in the circle, and they're doing like the like the Indian sort of meditation thing or whatever it's called. <laughs> I was like, this is what the Bulls are doing, okay? Yeah, this was, that was kind of weird to see, and it was interesting because like you didn't yeah. you never think about that kind of stuff when you think about these teams. So I was just like, what the hell is happening? Like this is so weird, but so uh, yeah. I don't know, just kind of like surprising and interesting that. Maybe the, that's yeah, part of like, me, the like, culture I'm there. a Spurs fan, but even I admit Popovich is not as good of a coach as Phil Jackson was. I mean, Phil Jackson, obviously, their big thing with him is always only had good players to work with. But he's it's tough working with good players, and it's, it's tough keeping them happy for long periods of time. But Phil Jackson did that. And even in, in Los Angeles, I remember I watched a documentary about Shaq and how he recruited Shaq and Kobe to the to – the, or not Kobe, he recruited Shaq to the Lakers by, like, bringing him out to his cabin in the middle of summer – and just like this big seven foot one guy was just helping Phil Jackson move shit around in his cabin in the middle of some random lake and no in butt fuck nowhere. But Phil Jackson was just he knew how to get to players and his style wasn't conventional, but it worked. I feel like a, like you're saying, uh, I feel like a person who's similar to his coaching style yeah. is actually like Steve Kerr. Because like you're saying, it's hard to coach superstars and somehow he was able to keep that team together, like, as long as he possibly could. Obviously, like, Kevin Durant's a bit of a drama yeah. queen, as we know. So, uh, it was kind of hard to keep all those guys happy. But he was almost able to three-peat, yeah. right, with this team. And, like, this, if, these if, clashing egos. So, 
I feel like he has a similar after learning from Phil Jackson, he has a similar approach to the game as a coach and he's gets some unnecessary um yeah. like shit talk to him in terms of a lot of people don't think he's like a good coach. They think That's like right, yeah. anyone could coach that team, right? So I I feel like he just deserves I think maybe this documentary will give Steve Kerr some more credit. Um, because a coach is obviously so important, especially resonating with yeah, that, like superstars. It's, it's tough. Yeah, I've, I've said like a lot of times it's hard to coach superstars. And Steve Kerr, yeah, I mean, obviously Kevin Durant's not there, but he's still got Clay Thompson. So, and next year that team's going to be really good. They're going to be contending next year, and it's because of Steve Kerr. And Steve Kerr was, I, he, I think, he learned a lot from Phil Jackson, where you don't need to be the the superstar when you're the coach. I mean, if the, the players, if you can keep the players morale high um, and keep them winning, winning cures everything, you're going to do great things. And Steve Curry, if, if injuries and suspensions weren't a thing, they would have won five in a row with the Warriors. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any last hot takes for predictions for episode five or six, kind of like the Bill yeah, Envier prediction think, that you made that you I, I um, think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna up preface on last this time. or put an asterisk next to this. Depending on the way that the documentary is shot, or depending on the way they show things, all right. Um, I said that that uh, what's his name, Reggie Miller was gonna get some a lot more credit because of what he did with the Pacers in 1998, and I think that depending on how how far in depth they go, um, in Michael Jordan's playoff series and in, in not 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 only in 1998, but in the years leading up to that, depending on how far in depth they go in those series, I think Patrick Ewing is going to get a lot of credit because those Knicks they were going up against the Bulls quite often, um, and I think them and also the people are going to start to realize how good the Sonics, the Supersonics were again, depending on how much they go into that series against the Supersonics. But yeah, I think that I feel like the Pacers will get a lot of respect too. Actually, like you were saying especially near the end of the documentary. I feel it could be later when they discuss yeah. that Eastern Conference Finals in 98 yeah. where the Pacers took them seven. That's going to be – that was, like, the only team that ever took them seven, really. I think besides, like, maybe an early iteration of the Knicks. Um, but that's going to be – yeah, I feel like Reggie Miller is going to get some respect because he's kind of seen the likes of, like, Ray Allen, right, as, like, the greatest shooter. Yeah, but I think much, he was a lot more, more than Ray Allen, yeah. Um, than like yeah. what we remember him as. For sure, I mean Reggie, he's disrespected a lot nowadays. People kind of forget about him. But yeah, I think we, I think I talked about this last episode too. I mean Reggie Miller was just he was a bucket, and he was he was cocky, and he was good at basketball, and he knew it. And he like, the thing with Spike Lee and everything, the choking. Um, it's just too bad he he never got that championship. Yeah, you, not everyone can win, yeah. especially when I, Michael Jordan. Also, I'd like to away. say this. <laughs> I was thinking about this today. Like, what if Michael Jordan never played? Like, what would the, the 90s look like? Because I was thinking about, like, all these great big men that played in the 90s, like Ewing and Matumbo and Akeem and David Robinson and all these guys, uh, Charles Barkley and Shaq. <laughs> I, I can't imagine how good the 90s would have been if the Bulls hadn't been dominating. Not saying the 90s weren't good, but the amount of, like, what's the word? Um the 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 amount of different team like the, the amount of contenders that there would have been every single year is just ridiculous like Charles Bark would have got a ring Robinson would have got a ring before Duncan Ewing would have got a ring uh, Keem would have got a few more the Bad Boy Pistons might have got a few more like it, it's ridiculous to think about yeah they definitely stole yeah. not stole but they earned 
a lot of the rings, and they just dominated so much that like these other teams, though they were like really good, the Jazz would have definitely won. Oh, a couple for sure, rings, yeah. I think too. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just crazy to think that this team was so dominant. I think that's a good sliding doors. Like, what if kind yeah. of a uh, question is like, what if um, I don't know, what if Scottie Pippen does? They don't trade up to yeah. draft Scottie Pippen or whatever. They don't trade up for Scottie Pippen in the draft. Um, I think that's an interesting one because then you know the Bulls aren't really probably aren't don't become a contender, and then you just wonder like because of the the amount of like uh, I don't know it's kind of like how the league is now. There's a lot of like parody in the league. Yeah. It would be interesting to see what teams would prevail and would Charles Barkley have a ring? Would Reggie Miller have a ring? Um, would John Stockton and Carl have a ring? They probably I mean, would. All there was so, so many great, and it, like it, I don't know, it's ridiculous. Yeah, because there would have been no parody. Honestly, there would have been very little parody in the league. Yeah. There was so many, like the Cavs were really good in the 90s too. Um, the Knicks, obviously, the Atlanta Hawks. Like, there was just Supersonics would have gotten a few rings. I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, that's, Port, Portland was really good. Clyde Portland, Jackson, too. Those Portland guys. was pretty good too. Uh, yeah, it, it, it'd been crazy. And mm-hmm. again, like, what if, what if Magic Johnson never got AIDS? Would have met, like how 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 far was his was his career got have taken off, and what would he have done in the nineteen nineties? Um, would we have seen him play with Kobe? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Nice to think about. <laughs> that's a long. That's a lot. That's, that's a lot. That's far. He finished in ninety one. When did Kobe get drafted? He played ninety six. So that's a seventeen year career right there. Doable. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's kind of a stretch for Magic Johnson because he was in what year eleven, year twelve at yeah, that I point, mean, maybe even year thirteen. So he was getting up there. He was still in his prime, but don't stretch it. He was still getting up there. I feel like um, as like a point guard, the way he played with like just yeah. he used his body so much and he just played so, relied so much on like his speed and everything and like his everything like that. I feel like uh, he wouldn't have aged very well going into like I feel like three, four more years. You know. I feel like I could see his yeah. career kind of sliding away yeah, slowly, yeah. you know. But who knows? That's yeah, this is like all conjecture, journals, right? That's it. The, the history would be completely different. It'd be history would be completely fucked up if Michael Jordan wasn't there. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. And one more thing, like, uh, yeah, no question. A quick question here: If LeBron James has a documentary like this, when you know, I don't know, maybe twenty, thirty years from now, because I, I don't think he'll drop one right after he retires. But I think he'll he will do one of these things, sort of like how, my, how Michael Jordan is doing this. Um, what do you do? You, do you think that people are going to start to call like? Do you think that my, that people are going to start to look at LeBron in thirty years from now the same way that we're looking at Michael Jordan today, when people from our generation are in the higher positions of the media? You know, people like you and I, are the Stephen A. Smiths of the world. Do you think that? Do you think that Michael Jordan is just going to kind of be completely forgotten <laughs> about because younger generation? just not even going to think about him the way that we don't even think of guys like Bill Russell or Oscar Robertson. That's the question. Who knows? I think what I want my hot takes going to be that Giannis by that time. Gian- he's anyway, so doesn't matter. <laughs> the greatest. Been- I'm just playing around. I don't know. I think he's really good. He's got the keys. He's got the, he's got the, like, he's got the body. He's got the mindset. Like- I don't know. I feel like he can definitely. He'll definitely go down as an all-time great by the end. He's already yeah, won MVP, probably, and he's like twenty-four. Probably won another. <laughs> so he's year. gonna he's gonna be an all-time great. The question is, how many chips? How dominant can he be? Because if he can dominate, like just think about the landscape right now. In theory, if 
Like, if he could dominate, like, Luca, Trey Young. Zion, yeah. Like, Kawhi, all these guys. Like, I know it's, like, the league has a lot of parity. Zion. Um, if he like, can, like, stop a lot of these guys from yeah. getting rings by the end of his career, that's, then, that's... I don't know, Giannis would be the GOAT. But, once again, like, he's too, he's too young to tell. Maybe Luca will be the GOAT. But, like, let's just think in this uh, mindset, this hypothetical that you're putting, um, I feel like, yeah, Bill Russell's forgotten about, even though he's, for, like, a lot of the old heads, he's, like, a top three of all time with LeBron and with personally. Michael Jordan. And a lot of, like, I was, I'm just taking, like, um, Bill Simmons' top five. Yeah. Or top three is them three. So a lot of the old heads give him more respect than we do. And so as he slides down, like the old, the younger people's rankings, Michael Jordan is maybe he transcends that because That's we right, have yeah. a lot of tapes of him and stuff. But I feel like people's opinions change constantly. So if a, if a LeBron documentary comes out, more people are going to be with the opinion that he's the goat because there will be some unre- some stuff that we never saw before. Maybe about like the 2016 finals. That's I think right, that yeah. would be a sick one. Um, stuff like that that we never saw before. That maybe we'll be like, whoa, this is what LeBron was really like. Yeah, like, holy shit. You know what I mean? And you look at the stat lines, and LeBron just yeah. has the he has the stats on his side. Besides, like, the rings. I think the rings is a tough one. But then, once again, you can go with the argument that, like, nine, yeah. he's been to how many finals? Like, nine finals? Like, Michael Jordan lost in the Eastern Conference Finals just because he's uh, six and oh, he's actually more like six and yeah. whatever, however many years he played. You know what I mean? So it could just be instead of, like, how many times he's lost in the finals, maybe the argument changes to um, how many rings has he won. Because if LeBron ends his career with, like, five, oh, yeah. I think that's good enough to at least um, to at least be like, okay, who's better? Like, then at that point, it's yeah. a matter of and, opinion, and for, even for though it always we know, is. Like, Mike, we say Michael Jordan's had this secret documentary crew following him around for the last two years of his career, the 98 season. But for all we know, LeBron James has had these, like, behind-the-scenes footage since he was 14 years old, right? So, like, we never know. There's probably so much footage out there of LeBron probably filming, filming the guy right now. And they're going to be talking about this very moment right now. And in 30 oh, yeah, years from sure. now, we're going to see LeBron James watching this Michael Jordan documentary laughing. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy to think about. And you said Giannis is going to be the go. When you first said that, I was like, ain't no way. But when you think about it, like, low-key, I mean, that that boy's <laughs> nice. He's, like, if I'm the – Yeah. If he develops the jump shot, he gets the right pieces around him. Like, Middleton isn't the number two piece you need. I think you need someone a little better. I, I know Middleton's good, but, like, I feel like he's at the same – he's both, like, underrated – but also yeah. he's not like amazing, you know what I mean? It's weird. He's kind of like in this weird spot where he's yeah. he's like a fringe all star. Um, I don't know. For me, I feel like he needs better pieces around him. They have a good team. I hope he they stays. have like a pretty dominant team. But when 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 you need to win a championship, when you need to win a tight game, let's just go back to last season, right against the Raptors, when they needed to win a tight game, when it went to like double overtime, it was hard for them to get hit shots in the clutch. They're kind of dependent on like Brooke Lopez. Surprisingly, was. <laughs> Really clutch, actually. <laughs> Surprise, surprisingly clutch as yeah. fuck. Like he won them game one when Lowry was going off, and and I think he kept them in a lot of those games, like in the double overtime game, and a lot of those games. So I don't know. For me, I feel like the the pieces aren't quite there. I think he needs a little more talent around him. But once if you build the right team with a similar structure to what you have now and like a good coach, uh, any like the sky's the limit. But the parody in the league is crazy. If you look at like, like I was saying before, like you have Trey Young, Luca, and then you mentioned Zion. Like, yeah. the league has a really, really bright future 
Um, so I don't, I don't see anyone That's dominating like Michael Jordan did. Um, but you never know, right? If the right team comes was, around, that's just so good. Yeah, I you hope can't that, really I hope that argue Giannis it, doesn't, right? doesn't leave Milwaukee either, because that's the thing with Michael Jordan too. Like the Bulls weren't that the Bull, we, like we looked at people looked at the Bulls the same way that we would look at I don't know maybe like the Charlotte Hornets right now before Michael Jordan showed up. So it wasn't like he's hopping on this great team. Um, and that's the thing between Michael and LeBron that I like more about Michael is that. LeBron, as soon, like, as soon as he couldn't get to the finals, he just jumped shit, which, all right, I mean, you, you want to go out and, and win rings. I'm like, okay, it, it, it's fine. But Mike, I like the way Michael Jordan went about winning his rings where he stayed in the, in the state through the tough times. And I hope Giannis is the same thing. I, mean, I, I could see the Bucks losing a couple more times before he wins an NBA championship, and I hope Giannis stays there um, and tries to win it with, with the Milwaukee Bucks before going anywhere else. Yeah, no doubt. It'll be the yeah. league has a bright future, man. It's gonna be crazy. Yeah, so <laughs> kind of got off track here, but <laughs> um, looking forward to episode sure, yeah. five and six. It's gonna be pretty awesome. Happy so.